Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Welcome back to Author News Weekly. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Ari McGee, joined as always by a stellar cast that I will introduce without further delay. First and foremost, since she's getting ready to take a drink and it's an inopportune time for me to introduce Miss Pippa Werner. Hi. <laughs> Next, I can't nail him on anything because he's prepared. So we've got Jim Heskett up there hanging out. That's right. I'm here. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> and last but not least, someone who's embracing discomfort on a daily basis, Mr. Nick Tacker. Oh, what's up? Good times. Good times. I don't know if I've told you guys I'm a little bit of a comic nerd. Have you guys seen the trailer for The Eternals? Oh, it looks I don't good. Know what that is. Oh, it looks good. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for someone who can at least commiserate with me a little bit. <laughs> I'm just out here watching movie trailers getting airballed in our show. That's all right, though. It's all right. I still love you guys. Still love you guys. All right. So, since we can't talk about the Eternals and my heart is broken, let's get ready to get into the news. <laughs> And they stick the landing. Nice. I think even the Russian judges will give us a 10 on that one, Nick. So good mm. job, man. First time well, ever. Well time done. Ever. Don't worry. I won't get used to it. I don't want to set my hopes high. I just want to celebrate the W's when we get them. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So our first story comes to us from Book Funnel, and it is announcing author swaps. Find new readers by swapping with like-minded authors. And so it basically says, today we're announcing a whopper of a feature. It has been requested by a lot of you over the last few months. And here at BookFunnel, our features are driven by our authors. Group promotions are a good way, da 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 But group promos aren't for everyone, or they aren't for all authors all the time. You still want to put your book in front of new readers, and you're willing to share the book recommendation or two with your mailing list. But you want to keep it small and focused and personal. Enter author swaps. And so this looks like a book funnel way to do, you know, kind of a newsletter swap where you kind of show your readership a specific author. I kind of like the way this is sounding because, you know, when you do join the group promos, sometimes it's kind of a lot going on. Sometimes there's some weird authors in there. You may not want to tell your readers about. Things can get kind of strange. So I'm kind of excited about this. What do you guys think about this? Jim, what do you think? I think this is great. Group promos are nice, but when you're joining up with 15 or 20 other authors, just imagine you getting an email with 20 different choices in it. You know, it's overwhelming. And with individual one-on-one swaps, you can more directly contact readers, except for here's my caveat about author swaps is you need to have some kind of understanding about the author you're swapping with about what kind of placement you're going to get in the email because I've swapped with authors before and then had my email for them go out and their emails like, Hey, here's my newest release. And here's 30 other books that I agreed to swap with. And then they're all just down at the bottom. And 
you know, if your email has more than a couple links in it, it's basically you've lethally watered down your own message. So this author swap thing, I have seen software sites that do this before and they get cluttered very easily with people just drive by trying to find swaps. But I have faith in Damon Courtney and BookFunnel that they will be able to pull off an effective system. Agree, agree. Pippa, what do you think about this? Are you going to avail yourself of this resource? Maybe. So I signed up to be available for the group promos thing and then started getting so many emails about them that I got overwhelmed preemptively Mm. and didn't do any. Mm. So this might be a little bit more my pace. Mm. Yeah, I can understand. At least it. intrigued. Yeah, it's kind of a lot. I know some of them have like fifty authors, and it's just like everybody gets a, a reader magnet, and this is what's happening, and it's kind of a lot. So I don't know, Nicholas. What do you think, man? I like it. I think it's something that we've needed. You know, I'm not going to take full credit for the fact that it's built. But I did tell Damon last time we saw each other in person that this would be a really helpful thing because I didn't like the group promo feature for the reasons we mentioned before. I'm with Jim. You know, it definitely is going to be important to find out where in someone's email I'm going to show up. But other than that, I think this is a good and kind of an obvious next step for Book Funnel. So this is a good deal. And it does look like it's for everyone, no matter what integration or what plan you're on, or I should say what Book Funnel plan you're on. The basic author. And then I think the next one up is the mid list integrations. So that's good. You don't have to pay extra money to get access to it. Good stuff. Good stuff. I agree. I'm interested in this. I stopped doing the group promos uh, probably a couple of years ago because I just didn't feel the benefit of them anymore, but I'll be looking at this and book funnel is something that I use on a daily basis. So I like those guys. I think they do a great job. All right, let's move on to something that now I don't imagine that you guys consider this too often right if you're like me like this was like an early on concern that i had about things you know social proof and stuff and this is from written word media and it's about how to get book reviews for self-published authors you know i know that we've all got a few thousand reviews and so you largely don't notice it anymore maybe but when i was starting out i kind of felt like this was difficult They say they need reviews to allow me to do promos for BookBub or written word and people need social proof, but no one wants to buy it. No one wants to. So, you know, it was, it was difficult in the beginning. So they've got some ideas about how to get some reviews and things like that. Have you guys had a chance to look through these? How many of these do you think really worth doing? And do you pay attention to your reviews anymore? One of them is a very bad idea. Oh, tell me. Which is the ask for book reviews from family and friends. Ah, I didn't even Um, see that one. Yeah, it's a bad idea for a couple of reasons. One is you want the people buying your books to be people in the same genres that your book Mm. doesn't show up in the also bots for Amazon, like a whole bunch of, say you're writing thrillers, you don't want it showing up with, you know, Regency romance Mm. because your Aunt Sue Mm. and all of her friends decided that they were going to give you a review. The other is often Amazon will ban those reviews. If like they're coming from similar IP addresses, or in some cases, if you're linked on Goodreads and they can see that, it's like a whole thing. <laughs> very sage. Very, very sage. You mess up your also bots and sometimes it's hard to get them things rolling right again. Nick, what you got, man? I'm not sure I like any of these. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from people who are behind Free Booksy. And so it's not surprising that one of the, uh, the main ways <laughs> to promote your book is on Free Booksy, right? And so mm-hmm. 
I'm like, all right, cool. That's I'll give them that one, right? Because they're the ones that wrote the blog post. So sure, they want you to use their service. I have not had any good luck with using Freebooksy to get reviews. I mean, it's a good way to get some downloads, I guess. But so we'll toss that one out. Family and friends, I agree. My wife is not even allowed to review my books because apparently she's a terrorist um, and Amazon just deletes them immediately because that's what they do to terrorists. So I don't know why they allow that. I feel like family and friends legitimately read books. So whatever. If that one doesn't work. Paid review services is bullshit. I think that's just asking for, I don't know. We could go into that if we want, but I just don't think it's even worth talking about because it's such a terrible idea to me. Well, well, no, no. I think you maybe should go into it a little because people like the paid review services, the Kirkuses and things like that. You know, people put them on their pay, on their, uh, their bios and they put them on their covers and stuff. And so people that are just starting out, they may be faced with this and they may think, should I give my book to a Kirkus or someone similar? What's your take on that? No, that's fair. That's a good question. I forget that I'm not just talking to you three, but there's some potential newbies listening to this that are wondering that same thing. And look, here's the deal. Ask yourself how many books you've purchased because you saw that there was a Kirkus review on it. I think the answer has got to be close to zero, right? And so the only thing they do is confirm the potential buyer already has. So if they come across your book, they're going to see the cover first, probably, maybe like a tagline about what the book is first, depending on how you've marketed it, what that trigger is. But they're going to see those two things first. They're going to like it. They're going to click over to it. They're going to read the description. They're going to see how much it costs. Then they're going to notice how many reviews you have and what those reviews are. And if they're three stars or five stars or whatever, it's only going to confirm whether or not they want to buy the book. So in a sense, the only thing reviews will do is lose a sale for you. So for that reason, I don't think it's important to go chase reviews. They are important, but they're not important for me to spend money on and especially not 400 and dollar like what you're going to spend at Kirkus. I have actually heard, and granted, this wasn't cited at the time, but I had heard that the more reviews, like you could have a pretty wide, so as long as it wasn't below three stars, the more reviews you had, the more it weighed in your favor. That people yeah, sometimes scan by the number of reviews and be like, okay, so a lot of people have read this. People are very, very leery of a whole bunch of reviews, all of which are five star. Mm-hmm. So right. you want some variance there. But one of the things is, for instance, if you're going to be using NetGalley or something, you've gone in on a timeshare with NetGalley, which is kind of the thing now, you might get really harsh reviews. I've seen different authors talking more and more frequently about like, oh, I get horrible reviews on Apple. Don't know why. Yeah. Just I mean, Apple hates my books or people being like NetGalley readers loathe my books and so if you spend a whole bunch of money and you get like eight two-star reviews Mm. that kind of sucks it's like a kick in the groin and the problem with there's no rubric right there's no required rubric for how we view a book and so somebody may come across and be like too damn expensive one star that has nothing to do with what the book is about right but that happens all the time and going back to my point with kirkus that's one review yeah you know and that may not even show up the same way i mean that's just something they're going to send you a written review that you can then choose to post in the editorial content section of Amazon, for example. But we're not talking about getting 500 reviews for that social proof, which is important. I don't like that. I think that's bullshit. And then the last one, email your reader list for book reviewers. This is actually a good advice, but it's so much in the category of dead, simple, obvious that I don't like it. This isn't helpful information for me because that's like step one. Let's say you're coming across this and you go, I'm reading this. Uh, okay, step five is email. your. Oh, my, my email list. I forgot I've got 40,000 people on an email list. I should ask them to review. If you're actually there 
author, um, I think you're missing some other things that you're, you're looking at. <laughs> if you somehow have 40,000 people on your email list, but don't have any reviews, we have additional questions. Yes, you might have bought it from Fiverr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. So, anyway. Jim, what you got, man? Well, I'll say this about Kirkus reviews. I have one on one of my books. I didn't pay for it, but my publisher did. And it was about 95% of the review was actually just plot summary. And there was maybe one sentence of opinion in the review. And it was a good review, but it's absolutely worthless to me. I can't even mine it for quotes because it's just a recap of my book's plot. So I don't know what Amazon paid for that review, but they wasted their money. Absolutely. And let me say this. It's anybody new listening here. I'm going to tell you, forget these five things. I'm going to tell you how to get reviews. This is exactly what you're going to do. Okay. First, you're going to build an email list. There's a reason why we keep saying that over and over and over again, because a lot of things in your author career are going to flow out from that email list and you can't do those things unless you have one. So Say you're starting out, you've got 10 people on your email list. What you're going to do is you're going to go to Book Sweeps, Ryan Z's marketing company, and sign up for one of their promos. Then you're going to pay 60, 70 bucks, and you're going to get a CSV with like 800 emails in it. So boom, that's your email list. Then you're going to import those people, send them an email, say hi. Then you're going to send them another email, say, hey, you want to be on my ARC team? And you may be saying, oh my gosh, I can't send 800 people on my ARC team. I won't sell any books. But most of them are not going to say yes. A small percentage will. And then you just keep building up that group over time. And then you don't have to worry about reviews. If you've got 100 or 200 people on your ARC team, all you have to do is just send them a different email. And what I do is, who signs up for my newsletter, the last step in the automation sequence is an invite to my ARC team. I don't put it near the beginning of the automation sequence because I don't want all those freegans. I want people who've put in the work and read my emails and are paying attention. Then once they get that email, it's like, hey, do you want to be a Hesketeer? You'll get all my books before they come out. And then what I do is I send them to a Google Sheet where they put in their name, their email, and their Amazon reviewer URL. I don't care what their Amazon reviewer URL is. This is just, that's a simple intelligence test. I want to be able to make sure they know how to copy and paste. Because if they can't copy and paste, then they're going to be more trouble than they're worth, <laughs> and I will not let them on my ARC team. The and, difference between me and Jim is that if they can't copy and paste, he actually plays tech support and helps them, and I no, have to delete them from my email list. Not anymore. No, no, no. And <laughs> Nick will practice eugenics. Years ago, years ago, I stopped You're that. done. All right, right on. So was that it, Jim? Yeah. Okay, that was all actionable stuff. If you're listening to this, go down to your little like podcasting where it's playing, and hit like back 15 seconds a couple times and get a pen and a paper and write down the stuff that Jim was saying. That's gold for you. All right. Good stuff about reviews. So (laughs) (laughs) the next story that we have here, uh, it's kind of cool, man. You know, it's from written word again, but they did a better job this time than they did with the uh, review article. Amazon A plus content for authors. Recently, you may have seen an exciting development unfold within the publishing world. Access to Amazon's A-plus content is no longer just available to select publishers. The feature is now open to all authors. Now, I'll let you guys kind of chat about this. I think it's kind of cool. The first time I remember seeing this was, I think, on Mark Dawson's page, like a couple of years ago. You know, he got to put some cool stuff in places that other people didn't get to at the time. And I remember thinking, man, that looks really good. You know, I guess if you sell a million books, you know, they'll help you out and let you do some cool things. So now. I feel like I'm part of the team. So are you guys going to hop on this A-plus bandwagon? Uh, Let's see. 
Who's looking? Pippa. <laughs> I sorry, I saw this come up and I was like, oh great, another fucking thing. <laughs> another fucking thing. Didn't you get the memo? That when you're an indie, you have to do every single thing that comes out, no matter if you like it or if it works for you, because they say <laughs> you're supposed to. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a thing that I am going to pawn off onto my virtual assistant, mm. probably soon. Mm. <laughs> and just be like, I don't know, research it, do the thing mm. if it works. Yeah, <laughs> figure it out. Okay, so let's see. How about Nick? Because Jim, I think I'm starting to learn that. If I give Jim a little bit of time, like as everyone's kind of talking, he just stews up these amazing, like, you know, F-16 bombs and just drops them. So let's let Nick be the sacrificial lamb and kill a little bit of time so Jim can come up with something awesome. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate your uh, your trust in my knowledge. <laughs> Nick, kill some time here. That's kill what some time. Before Jim Monkey dance. The right answer. <laughs> I like this. I think it's cool. I've wanted this for a long time. And correct me if I'm wrong, this is something that's kind of been around, but only given to like very special authors, mm-hmm. AKA authors who make millions and millions of dollars a year. And, um, you, you know, us peons didn't get access to it. And so this is really cool. I love it. I think it's super sexy. It's a great way to display your content to that newbie author still listening. If it didn't scare you away again, this isn't something that's going to sell your books. It's only something that has the potential of losing a sale. Meaning if you don't do this well, it's going to look ugly and weird and you're going to lose people because you're going to be like, oh, cool cover, great title. Wow, it's in the genre I want. The price is great. Then they scroll down and they're like, is that Comic Sans? And then they bounce. <laughs> right? So um, just do this well and do what Pippa's doing. Uh, same thing I'm going to do is just pawn it off on someone. To someone do... whose specialty is... Yeah, it doesn't yeah. need to be a full-time graphic designer, but somebody who's got a little bit of you know sense of white space and things like that. Because you could really... Or maybe we all use awesome. the same shirtless dude. I also think the shirtless dude is going to help everybody's book sell. So if you don't hear anything else from me, just use a shirtless dude who's greased up. That's Harvey Bennett right there. Heavy on the grease. (laughs) Heavy on the grease. Jim, what do you got? Use this picture of of Jim Heskett on your Amazon author. Oh, man. I don't know about that. It's all that, Jim. Um, So I'm most curious here about this number of this. It says that sales increased by an average of 5.6%. I'm really curious to see if that holds true for indies because the thing is, traditionally in marketing, longer sales copy is reserved for more expensive items. Mm-hmm. You know, the more expensive something is, the longer the copy is to convince you to buy it. That's why, you know, when you go to the Chevy dealership, they don't give you a one pager on that Dodge truck. They give you like a 40 page glossy magazine. That's the sales copy. That's the whole sales copy. So I'm wondering if longer sales copy. I wonder what effect it would have on a $14.99 self-published book versus like a $14.99 traditionally published book, because those are the only people who've had access to it up until this point. Mm. So, I mean, overall, it seems like it's probably a good idea. I mean, I don't know if including pictures of mountains or cityscapes in on the sales page will help it sell more. But I'm always I'm in favor of having more control over the sales page. I just wish Amazon would let us reduce the number of leaks on the page instead of giving us yeah. more space to put in copy. Mm. No, sorry, I was going to say it's like keeping your home decorated. I mean, you know, this is just making making your page look better. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but if it's costing you so much time that you're not writing more books or spending, you know, time learning advertising, I don't think it's worth it. Mm. If that, I mean, if that's fair. Yeah, makes sense. 
Jim, what did you mean by leaks on your sales page? I mean, on every Amazon page, there's like a hundred things to click on and only one of them is a link to your book. Mm -hmm. You know, Amazon has stuff everywhere because they don't care what you buy. They just want you to stay on Amazon and buy stuff. So if you go to my book page, there's one little orange button that says buy and everything else takes you away from my book. So I prefer fewer things that lead you away from my book once you're on the page. But it is orange. And we did learn in Web 2.0 class that orange (laughs) buttons get clicked on more. So, I mean, at least they got that right. (laughs) Well done, Amazon. Very true. Very true. I'm sorry, Pip. I think I cut you off. Were you going to say something? No, okay. Yeah, I agree. The that's difficult. That's why we all learn that like when you make a landing page, you don't give people a lot of options on your landing page. It's like, hey, you're on my landing page, you're gonna buy some shit. That's what you're here for. You're <laughs> clicking that button right wow. there. You can't even get anywhere else on my website if you don't click this button. Yeah, <laughs> but, I hide the header and footer on my sign up page on my website. So hundred percent. There's nowhere else to click to on right, that page. Right. You have to either leave this page or you're going through the tunnel. So All right, right on. Well, good stuff, guys. I think that that's something we'll keep an eye on to see how it goes. Now, so this is not specifically book related, this next thing here, but Nick and I had a little kind of joking thing we had a couple of weeks ago, but I think it might highlight some differences in our personality about how we approach some things in our business, you know, which is great, right? We should have some differences of of opinions about stuff. And uh, this is an article from inc.com about the esteemed Gary Vaynerchuk, who, if you haven't listened to him, he's a kind of a wild man. And I don't know if I believe all of his rah-rah stuff, but I believe a lot of it. So the header of this is go all in on your strengths and outsource your weaknesses. He's talking about what he considers the biggest mistake that leaders make when it comes to identifying weaknesses. And it's a video, so I can't really kind of quote anything from it. But My understanding of the gist of this is there are people who, if they are confronted with something that they're not good at, will endeavor to become proficient at it, right? And try to add that to their repertoire of things that they can do. And then the flip side of that sometimes is people who accept that they're garbage at something and then try to move away from it and get someone else to do it. So they can do the things that they are relatively strong at. And so I'm kind of in the latter camp. I think that I have a lot of weaknesses. And so there's a lot of things that I don't want to try to learn, you know, and there's a lot of things that I learn just the base amount because, you know, I think my superpower, so to speak, is doing some other kinds of things. So Nick, why don't you hop in and kind of have your take on that? And then we'll go around and just see what you guys think about how you integrate that into your businesses. So sure. Yeah. I mean, as someone who doesn't have any weaknesses, it was really exactly. challenging. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's been a long road, you know, for me, I'm trying to exist in a world of imperfection. No. So I think I love this, you know, soundbite, I should say the, you know, outsource your weaknesses, I guess a little history, like prior to probably 1980, maybe 1985, even business and management, like education was all kind of based around know what your your strengths are, but then know what your weaknesses are so you can improve on them and make yourself this perfect, like, you know, employee or manager or whatever. And then uh, around the time, like Peter Drucker books were starting to, I mean, he's, he's an older dude, so he was around, but like when people started buying into the whole John Maxwell, uh, Peter Drucker management principle kind of stuff, we started shifting uh, this idea of outsourcing, or I should say of uh, improving your strengths 
and just getting really, really, really good and laser focused at like one or two or three things like leadership. That guy shouldn't be a marketer. He shouldn't be an advertiser. He shouldn't be in copy. He should be leading. There were some very specific principles there. And so Gary V is essentially saying the same thing. Um, but instead of just kind of ignoring your weaknesses and taking the employee, like one among many cogs in a machine, letting other people do it, he's actually saying, take and outsource this particular weakness. Now, Gary V gives me anxiety because he's too much, but I love him. He's a good dude and knows what he's talking about for sure. But he's just like in your face, right? <laughs> um, so I have a hard time listening to him as well. But I think it's sound advice. And the challenge for us as indie authors to kind of bring it home for me is we don't all have an easy way to outsource this stuff, right? We don't just have a VA or somebody who can just come in and take our weaknesses per se and do them. And so the challenge is then using stand-ins for that, like software tools, you know, we're getting more and more AI tools, but just any, any kind of monthly fees and subscription stuff can help us with like BookFunnel. We talked about BookFunnel. That's a perfect example of saying, hey, I don't really want to manage you know, finding email swaps and doing all that, because that's not really how my mind works, but I know I need to do them. Well, cool. Here's this tool that's like at minimum 10 bucks a month. You can pay and have that sort of, in some sense, take care of some of those things. So I love it. I think it's good advice. Don't make the mistake I made and listen to Gary Vee's podcast at 1.5x speed mm. because mm. Like your head will literally explode. Mm. Uh, there's just too much, too much happening all at once. So anyway, mm. that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Pip. Wait, no, Pippa, you get to go last this time. Uh, Jim, you're going to go in the middle. I know. You're good to go. Okay. You know, I'm honestly not 100% sure how I feel about this. I mean, if you're the boss at a company, it would make sense to be like, well, if Bob does the graphics, it'll take him eight hours. If Sheila does the graphics, it'll take her four hours. Let's let Sheila do it, you know, because it saves the company four hours of salary. But I also kind of think that if you're a self-published author, you should be at least a little bit good at everything. You know, I mean, I worked in the software industry for a while. I'm pretty comfortable with HTML and CSS and learning WordPress was easy. And I'm beholden to no one if something goes wrong with my website. I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to wait on somebody else. Um, I'm good enough in Photoshop that I can make a featured image, a hero image for a blog post, but I'm not going to design book covers, but I could if I had to. Um, I'm good enough with Photoshop that when I buy a book cover, I'm making sure I get the PSD so I can tweak it if I want to. If you're jack of all trades, you're going to be a master of none. So I don't know. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about this topic. Mm, very good, sir. Very good. Pippa, bring us uh, home. <laughs> I'd say the main thing, right, is if you're an indie author, what it comes down to at the end of the day is you need to keep turning out books. And mm. so that is the core of your business. And you need to make sure that everything that you're spending time on and that you're spending money on is not dragging you away from that. So you need to make it sustainable for you to keep making books. So if that means that, you know, at over different times, maybe you'll have a team of, you know, five assistants at some point, and you need to know a little bit about what each one of them does so that you can manage them properly. Or at some point, you simply do not have the spare money, you're just starting out, whatever it may be, and you need to be able to learn something for that amount of time but as much as possible to keep focused on building a version of success that doesn't force you into your weaknesses over and over again and doesn't drag you away from actually continuing to put out books is the most important thing. So if outsourcing your weaknesses is something that needs to be done, like you absolutely need a book cover, absolutely outsource that, whatever. Um, but if it's like 
outsourcing your finding 85 book reviews thing. And, you know, as we've gone through, maybe that's not something that you want to spend 45 hours over the next month doing. Mm. So just be careful about what you outsource and whether or not it needs to be done at all, as I think. Mm. So time out. Like I'm watching the little Gary V video in another browser window as we're talking. And I just want to, it's 15 minutes long and he keeps talking and then he keeps bringing different people up with him to talk. But the whole thing is happening in a closet. So I just, yeah, I just point I, that out. Like he's in a closet talking to other human beings and there's like a whole, like there's a, he's got a people in his closet. I don't know how he's like backstage at an mind. event is what he, what he's he like. Is. No, 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 Jim, shut up. It's a closet. <laughs> it's his home, I'm sure. It's a tiny closet, and he just keep. he probably keeps them in there. And Nick, sorry to interrupt your story with the facts. <laughs> I don't want your facts here, Jim. I just want to talk about Gary V's closet. Gary I just thought it was funny. I'm like, how long is this video? Oh, there's another person talking now. That's funny. Wow, there's like no way to get a still of this where he's not super animated. No, and then he doesn't it stop. Even better, they do the shaky cam thing, like the guy's holding an iPhone recording it, so. It's supposed to keep things exciting is what I hear. <laughs> yes, because that was what that needed. <laughs> More excitement. Someone give that guy a Xanax. Let him calm down a little. All right, right on. Well, uh, I think it's good. I think it's the kind of thing that the four of us all have our processes. And I assume if you guys are like me, you're always kind of refining it. So I don't think too much about this because I'm an outsource everything guy. Like I outsource it. I don't worry about it again covers editing i outsource all of it i can do just enough on my website to add books as i put new books out and things like that so i don't worry about it but that's what i've come to after years of doing this you know is i know that the time suck that it gives me like kills part of my soul sometimes and i just can't do it you know so if you're listening to this just be open to the fact that you're gonna have to figure out what works for you and give it a chance. Maybe you're a little more hands-on like Nick is, maybe a little more hands-on in certain ways like Jim is, you know, you're better with your website. You know, my formative years were not technology related, so I don't have that background, but you probably have a different background. Maybe you're good at editing music and stuff like Nick is. And so you can do things that I would have to outsource that makes sense for you. So yeah. You don't have to outsource shooting bad guys though, RA. So that's good to know. This is true. This is true. That was my formative years. We so, all have to do that. So, you know, it's not a lot of call for that, though, in the indie world. So, <laughs> all right. So in any event, guys, I think that that's good, man. Looking at our time, I think we've uh, put in a solid, a solid time here. You guys got anything you want to add about any of our uh, other topics or anything? No, it's looking good. Is that like the picture behind you? I know it's not Overmore, the green and white one. Oh, yeah. It's got a like an indoor vibe going on. Like it's got like a re- Return oh, of the Jedi vibe. No, it's actually a Red Riding Hood print, and so she's standing there with a giant axe. I love it. It's like a slightly different. So one of the sci-fi fantasy conventions near us has some awesome artists at it. Yeah, very cool. I like it. Yeah, like it was giving me indoor vibes, but I like Red Riding Hood with an axe much better. So Ewoks kind of sucked, anyways. All right, guys. So. For all of us at Author News Weekly, I'm Ari McGee saying thanks for listening, and this meeting is over.